The vision received was that of blood cells traveling throughout the body, supplying the much-needed oxygen and other nutrients to the differing members of the body to fulfill their purpose. Once the blood cells are spent, they must return back to the heart to be refilled before being sent out again and fulfill their purpose. Good morning, beloved saints of the Most High God. Let us just begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you praise, we give you thanks, we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you testimony as that you've heard uh, today from the many different uh, saints uh, that are thankful and grateful for the many things that you've done in our lives recently um, and in the past and what you're going to do for us in the future. I pray, God, that you would uh, minister to us this morning as we dig into your word. Yes. Father, as we um, pay heed to the words that you have spoken. Help us to straighten out those places that are crooked, that are not quite straight, Father. Help us to align ourselves more with your word and be ready. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if this mic is gonna last. It seems like all the mics are. This backup? All right, well, I'll continue with this one and then use that as backup. Uh, if you will, turn with me to Luke chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 46. And let's just look at what Jesus said, because I think we're going to use this as our kind of uh, springboard before we jump into the, to the pool. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose and the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing, is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. I'd be a rich man if we haven't, if, if we count how many times we have heard that in this fellowship over the years that I've been here, 14 years. Um, but for some reason, I read it recently. I was, I was trying to receive from the Lord what he would have me share with you. And the word that, that impacted me, um, because I was actually in Matthew, but I was looking at parallel passages. I always look at parallel passages just to see if there's some detail that I might be missing or some detail that might give me greater insight. And it was this particular detail in Luke, not in Matthew, because Matthew basically says the same thing, but it didn't say this. It says he is like a man building a house who dug deep. We overlook that. Matthew doesn't, doesn't even talk about that. But Luke says you had, the man had to dig deep and lay a foundation on a rock. And he brought to my mind Paul who before that, before he became Paul was, what was he called? He was Saul and he was doing some nasty things. Um, but he reminded me how Saul, 
who became Paul, was converted after his events on the Damascus Road and his encounter with Jesus. And I guess the Lord asked me, did he go out immediately and preach the gospel? And I'm like, no, he didn't, Lord. He reminded me of teachings that I've given recently because, I don't know, that's just what the Lord does. When you start teaching, he starts bringing to your remembrance these things so that you can um, use them even more. But he brought to mind remembrance because we, we recently passed Galatians. We're now in Second Corinthians, or past Second Corinthians as well. Um, but we read Galatians, and in Galatians, Paul recounts this event on the Damascus Road and, and what he how he responded when Jesus revealed himself to him. He says in Galatians 1 verse 11, but I make it known to you, brethren, meaning the Galatians, I make it known to you that the gospel that was preached to me was not according to man because I didn't receive it from man. I wasn't taught it by man. It came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. He described his life before he was converted. He says, you know how you heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure. I tried to destroy it. You know about my reputation. And you know how I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation. I was more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my father. You know about my prior life and reputation. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Nor did I go to Jerusalem, to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia because this happened, remember, on the Damascus Road. He left the Damascus Road. He went to Arabia. And then he came, says, I returned again to Damascus. And then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. I don't know how long he was in Arabia. It doesn't say he was in Arabia for three years. It says when he was... When Jesus revealed himself in me, I didn't go to flesh and blood. I didn't go to other people to say, hey, did what I saw was right? Did what I hear was right? He actually went to Arabia. I don't know what's in Arabia. But he went to Arabia. Then he came back to Damascus. And then it says, then after three years, I don't know how long he was in Arabia, but I know he went to Arabia. He came back to Damascus. Then after three years, he went and go saw Peter. And I guess the Lord was showing me Paul was digging deep during that time. Paul could have been that man that relied upon his past to get forward in the future with the Lord. He says so in Galatians. You know how I advanced in Judaism above my contemporaries. You know how I was more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers than anybody else in Judaism. 
But Paul was digging deep. Jesus was describing the wise man builds his house upon the rock, but in order to build his house upon the rock, he had to dig deep. And what does digging deep actually mean? So he bring, the Lord brings to my mind more parables that, that we've read. He brings me the parable of the sower. There are four kinds of hearts. There's four kinds of soil. There's that wayside soil. Don't get anything. There's that thorny. There's that stony. And there's that good heart. But I can tell you that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none good. No, not one. Does not the scripture say that? So if there's not a good heart, and I want a good heart, and Paul wants a good heart, Paul had to dig deep. Digging, you start realizing, I got to dig into this soil. I got to dig into the earth. I got to dig into this gravel. And what are the things that we find when we start digging we find thorns, do we not, at times? Weeds, thorns. And we know that from the parable of the sower in the Revelation that the thorns are the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things. Another thing that needs to be removed as you're digging deep is to remove the stony places that are found within you because those stony places found within you cause the word to not have root in himself in order to do what? To withstand the persecutions, to withstand the tribulations. You look at Paul's life and Paul was not tempted by the cares of this world. Paul was not tempted by the deceitfulness of riches. Paul wasn't tempted for the desires, just the, 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 the natural desires for other things. He didn't struggle with that. When persecution and tribulation arose in Paul's life, did he waver? Did he turn back? No. Because Paul, before Paul went out back into the ministry, back into the world to do God's bidding, Paul dug deep. And he removed the thorns. And he removed the stony places. Because when he came back and he was on fire for the Lord out in the world doing God's will, he came back with an unwavering resolve. He came back fully persuaded in his own mind. Not because he conferred with flesh and blood, because he was utterly convinced by the revelation of Jesus Christ. He returned back with revelations of the kingdom and its principles and he clung to them. Like a wife is supposed to cling to their husband. He clung to them as he shared them with others. And I guess the Lord wanted me to ask, have you dug deep? 
Or did you get a revelation of Jesus Christ and just go off and start running? Saying and doing whatever it is that you think needed to be said and done without digging deep. I guess the Lord was sharing with me that if you don't spend the time digging deep, you're more likely to fall in the future because you've got these issues like the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things. And when persecution and tribulation arise, you're going to falter because you never spent the time to dig deep. There's probably not a greater apostle that we all esteem that 2,000 years of people in the past have esteemed as highly as Paul. And yet Paul did not immediately go out and start running for the Lord. He dug deep. He went to Arabia, came back to Damascus, and then waited three years before he even went to the apostles. He dealt with what he needed to deal with so that he can come back fully persuaded and with utter resolve that he would never, ever turn back because he spent the time to dig deep. God used, I'm sure, all of his teachings in Judaism to bring about the revelations that we have now received in this new covenant. And, and I, I guess I, I, I see that clearly because when I went to, to college, I went to get a psychology degree as a bachelor's. And near the end of it, I realized, what am I going to do with this? I know that there's a better way. Psychology, psychiatry is not the answer. And then I went into a master's in special education. But God bringing me through psychology, if you will, and bringing me through the, the, the instructions in special education, he was equipping me. He was using, how do you teach people that don't have the common ability as a normal person? They have disabilities. They have weaknesses. They have things that, are, that hold them back. How do you reach them? How do you take all that you understand that, that, that other people that are on par with you understand and break it down? into bite-sized morsels so that someone else who does not have that same ability can chew on it and not choke on it. He used all of that in my life so that today I can use those things, those skills to be able to share the word with others in a way that they hopefully will be able to understand. He did that with Paul. And all that time that I was in college, I remember it was like a wrestling match between what they were teaching me and getting in the word. I was digging deep then. I didn't know my wife then, but I was digging deep into the word between the years of 
21, because my mom died at 20, and you've guys heard this testimony enough. My mom died at 20. 21 is when the Lord is really getting a hold of me, and I was really on my way into the kingdom, coming into covenant. And it was that time that I was digging deep. I remember working at a job at a financial institution, and in between answering phone calls, because I was a member service rep, I was in the Word. I was researching on the internet. I was, I was doing whatever I could. And then when I got home, I was, I was researching it and, and doing more. I was digging deep. I was getting fully persuaded in my own mind of what the truth was. And God gave the truth to different people. He gave it through Bishop. He gave it through other people that I met on the internet, through, through different conversations that we were having. And they all, God was using me to lead me in the path that I am on now. So before we move forward, we've got to make sure that we've dug deep and gotten rid of things in our life that are going to hold us back. I Countless times I've told you, I had to get rid of all the comics. I had to get rid of the movies. I had to get rid of the music. I had to get rid of things that I knew were impeding my progress to move on and forward with the Lord. And it's important that we understand that there's a need, there's a time, there's a season in our lives where we need to dig deep because there is a difference between knowing him and being known by him and in contrast to knowing about him and him not even knowing you. I, You know this, I've said this many times before, but I'll repeat it for those that are new. I went to Christian schools all my life. Even kindergarten was a Christian school. First grade, second grade, West Hillsboro Baptist School. Third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, Greater Miami Academy, private school in Miami. Sixth grade, Westwood Christian School. Seventh grade, eighth grade, all the way to 12th grade, Miami Christian School. I went to Christian schools all my life. And all I can tell you is that I knew about him. I knew about him. I knew what things I should believe, but I can't say that I knew him. That didn't happen until I came into covenant with him, which is when I was born again, according to the water, according to the spirit. That's when I knew him and that's when he knew me. All the other times I knew about him. This is important because when we read Matthew 7, 21 through 29, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness, iniquity. These people knew about the Lord, but the Lord didn't know them. They knew to use his name, but the Lord still didn't know them. Prophesying, casting out demons, wonders in his name. They knew about his name. The sons of Sceva knew about his name. And they were being sore by that demon. It's not about knowing him or no, excuse me. It's not about knowing about him. 
There has to be a covenant relationship with him where you know him and he in turn knows you. Before I got married, I knew about my wife. When I got married, I knew my wife. There's a difference. And the difference is intimacy. It is covenant. The issue is those who know him do his will. It says in that verse, but he who does the will of my father in heaven will enter the kingdom of heaven. Those who know him do his will. Those who don't know him don't even know how to do his will. So knowing about him is not is what going to get you into heaven. There's 7 billion people in the world. And according to, according to the Pope, like he's some guy uh, that should be listened to, there's a lot of different ways to heaven now. That God over there, yeah, yeah, that's going to lead you to the same God I believe in. And that God over there, that's going to lead you to the same God that I believe in. It's outrightly, not ecumenical, it's outrightly syncretistic. It's any world religion now ends up in the same place, the same God. It doesn't matter whether you call him Jesus or Allah or whatever other gods are out there. But lawlessness or iniquity is a state of being it is a condition without the law due to ignorance. You don't know that you're actually breaking the law. You're still breaking the law. You go to another country, you break the law of the speeding, it doesn't matter whether you knew it or not, you broke the law. And then lawlessness is also the state of being or the condition of violating the law. And you knew it. That's wickedness. Because you knew it and you broke it anyway. He says in verse 24, therefore, because of all of this that we've just talked about, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken to him like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Notice it didn't say anything about digging deep, but Luke did. And it's important that we recognize we need to dig deep to get to the foundation. It's not superficial. It's not surface. We need to get deep in with the Lord. We need to be in deep intimacy with the Lord. Not with a little acquaintance. Hey, how you doing today? It's a daily walk with him. Daily talk with him. A daily drawing close to him. A daily doing his will each and every day. That's how we get more and more to know him. So when the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Because you're hearing the sayings of mine and you are doing them. Not merely hearing. That's why James says it's not a matter of hearing. It's hearing and doing the word. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he's the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And we know what happens when the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and great was its fall. 
And great is going to be the fall of many people that know about Jesus, that have heard about his story and heard about his account and did nothing with it. They heard about the fact that, hey, he died for your sins. They heard about the fact that, hey, he went up on the cross. He shed his blood for you. They heard about how he, he rose again on the third day. And none of that matters. Because all knowledge does is it puffeth up. Knowing about his story, about his history, about what he did is not the life-changing event that we need in our lives. Though we need to know it, because they that believe on him must believe on him in truth. So we do need to know that. It says something very particular here. It says in verse 20 and 29, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings, and the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Why would he bring that up? Why would he compare him to the scribes? If you turn to Matthew 23, 25 through 28, it's very important that we get this because we do not want to be likened to the scribes. We do not want to be like those that are likened to the Pharisees. In Matthew 23, verse 25, it says, Woe to you, scribes, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. Because you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of extortion and self-indulgence. You're all about yourselves. You blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous to whom? To men. But inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. It could have just said scribes and Pharisees. Woe to you scribes and Pharisees. But Jesus put this, this, this one word there that encapsulates Scribes and Pharisees, they are hypocrites. You avoid being a hypocrite when you dig deep. Because when you dig deep, you are fully persuaded in your own mind. And you don't just say what needs to be done. You say what needs to be done and you do what you say. You're not a hypocrite. They were full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. They knew the truth, but they violated it anyway. They added on, they took away things that 
they believed were right. Well, you know what? Jesus said in Matthew 5.20 that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So it's good to think about our walk. It's good to reflect Am I like the scribes? Am I like the Pharisees? Because if we remember what it said earlier, those who enter the kingdom of heaven are those that do the will of my Father shall enter the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 7. Our righteousness, whatever good that we do, whatever it's talked about by other men, it needs to exceed whatever good was spoken of about the scribes and the Pharisees. It can't be on par with them. It's not good enough to be like a scribe and a Pharisee because they're nothing but hypocrites. Looking beautiful on the outside means absolutely nothing in God's eyes. It may mean something to men. It may mean something to women. It may mean something good to your family. It may mean something to your friends, to your relatives. Even to your enemies, it may mean something that you look good on the outside. But who are we trying to please? Who are we trying to impress? Listen, I'm not just talking about how we dress. You know that this fellowship is not about, you know, hey, you got to wear a long sleeve shirt. You got to cover your neck. You got to cover your wrist. You got to cover your knees. We're not into that. Yes, there's modesty. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, we're not into that. It's about holiness within. It's about holiness in your heart. Well, you don't want to go out there and present yourself in a way that draws unnecessary attention to yourself. Because you're not trying to bring attention to yourself. The only thing you're trying to bring attention to is Jesus. The Jesus in me. Because Paul, let's read that again. Paul said, to reveal his son where? In me. And that's who we are trying to reveal to others, the Son of God in me, meaning Jesus. I want people to see Jesus. I want people to hear Jesus. I want people to be touched by Jesus. It's not about how we dress. It, it, it's more than that. It's, it, that's included, but it's not merely about how we dress. It's not merely our outside. It's about how we talk. It's about our actions. It's not about how much knowledge we know or don't know. It's not about the accomplishments that we made in this life. What degree I got. How much money I make. How many cars I have. How many houses I have. How many suits I have. How many ties I have. What The, 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 the fabric of my, my suits. None of that matters. Not to the Lord. Not even our resumes. We spend our life building up resumes to impress someone so we can get hired. 
none of that matters to the Lord. Who are we trying to please? Who are we serving? If you turn to Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, Jesus had come into Capernaum and there was a centurion. He came to him and he was begging and pleading, saying in verse 6, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those that were following him, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Have you stopped at that scripture and asked yourself, what is so impressive about what he said? What was this great faith that Jesus was speaking of? I say to my kids, sometimes I'm teaching math and I'm saying to my kids, you're thinking too hard. It's a lot more simple than that. Would you stop thinking so hard? What impressed Jesus? Faith is simply hearing God's word and obeying. It's not rocket science. You don't have to get a degree for that. You don't even have to graduate kindergarten for that. You just have to be a child that hears a word spoken and you obey it. You don't have to understand it. You just have to know that it came from someone who is in authority. And God is sovereign. He is in absolute authority. But you know, there are some in the kingdom that don't get that basic, basic, fundamental principle. It says, if you continue reading in verse 11, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and they're going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom. And he brings these examples because these are examples of people that heard the word of the Lord and they obeyed. Abraham heard the word of the Lord and said, uh, okay. You want me to leave my father and mother? Okay. You want me to leave this country? Okay. You want me to go over there? Okay. He did that. He just heard the word and he obeyed. It didn't mention Noah, but Noah's a great example of that too. Noah, I'm going to wipe everybody out. I need you to start building an ark. Yeah, the, the water's going to fall from the sky. What? Okay. It, it didn't even say he said what. He's like, okay. How many years did he spend building an ark? 100. 
for something that he had never seen before, never experienced before. All it, all it is a matter of, okay, I know I heard the Lord. I'm just going to obey. Crazy as it may seem, crazy as it may sound. But it says here, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. Who did it say? The sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Because the sons of the kingdom don't understand the principle of obedience. Is that simple? You hear the word of the Lord, you obey. To do otherwise is to put your life at your own risk. He said to the centurion, go your way, and as you believe, so let it be done for you. And a servant was healed in that same hour. If we turn to Luke chapter 12, it says, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. It didn't say have a lamp. Let your waist be girding and have a lamp. No, let your waist be girding and have your lamps burning. Why do I need a lamp burning? What does a lamp burning do for me? Don't, don't think about our day and age where we're living right now. Think back then. If you were in that day and age that he's speaking to, why would you need a lamp burning? What does it do for you? You're able to see. It lights your path. You're able to see all around you. No matter whether you have a lamp or not. Because if you had a lamp and it wasn't burning, it's no use to you, is it? So it's not about having a knowledge of it or knowing about him. You got to use it. Have that, that waist girded about so that you're not dropping your pants and dropping your drawers and tripping over yourself. And you yourselves, it says in verse 36 of Luke chapter 12, be like men who do what? Wait for their master. When he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. What state should you be in? Lamp is burning. You see everything that you need to see and you are ready so that when the master comes back, you open to him immediately. You are ready to serve at a moment's notice. We talked about that before. John, you know, probably doesn't like to be on call at his work, but in the spiritual sense, we're on call all the time with the Lord. And that's what it means. Be on call all the time when your master comes. Wait on him and be ready so that when he comes, boom, you're there immediately ready to go. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Does that mean you're out here looking at like this? This is what he wants? He wants you watching out there? What's he talking about really watching? Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them for those that are waiting for him, for those that are watchful. And what if he should come in the second watch? What if he should come in the third watch and find them so 
Blessed are those servants that are there watching. They're watching. They're just looking about watching. Who are those that are going to be in heaven? Those that do the will of the Father will be in heaven. But know this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched. He would have been ready. He would have been prepared and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Now, Peter, he wants to know. Is what you're saying to us applied to us or everybody? You know those people? You trying to teach a subject and they come up with this. And you just kind of roll your eyes and say, he says, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? Who does this apply to? <laughs> Jesus, like a politician, doesn't answer the question directly, but he does. He says, who then is the faithful and wise steward? Did you see him answer with his question? No. He says, who then is the faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his house to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. So that watchful person, now Jesus is saying, blessed is the servant that is doing when the Lord comes, when the master comes, he's doing. What's he doing? He's doing the will of the master. He's doing the will of the father. That person, that servant is going to be blessed and he is going to become the ruler over all that he has. But if that servant is going to say in his heart, Ah, the master is going to delay in his coming. And what does he do? He begins to beat the male servants and beat the female servants. And he begins to eat and he begins to drink. Wait a second. Didn't we read that? The Pharisees. Well, uh, let me turn back. The Pharisees, they were described as. Oh, let me, let me go back there. Anybody remember? Pharisees were full of extortion and what? Self-indulgence. Well, Jesus is describing a servant who is self-indulgent. He knows the master's will. He knows he's delaying in his coming. But he begins to beat the female servants and the male servants and begins to eat and drink. And what is that? That's he's self-indulgent. What happens to him? The master of that servant will come one day when he is not looking for him. And at an hour when he is not aware, and he will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with who? All the unbelievers. So we were, we, we were never even talking about unbelievers. We were talking about those that were in the kingdom. Sometimes there are those in the kingdom that haven't dug deep and all they kind of know is the Lord superficially. They haven't dug deep to really know him, to know his will. So that they can go about to do his will. And because they know so very little about him. And so they, they, they're not very deeply intimate with him. They, 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 they only know, oh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's what they bank on. They bank that they could say that verse, sleeping, that they're okay. But they need to be doing, not saying, doing. That servant who knew the master's will did not prepare himself, did not do according to his will, he's going to be beaten with many stripes. But those who didn't know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few, because the responsibility on them is less than those that knew. They have no excuse. For everyone to whom much is given, from much will be required, and to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask for more. So we had to dig deep in the beginning of our faith walk so that we can live out a life with the Lord that is without wavering, without, without being tossed to and fro like a cork bobbing in the sea, which is a way that I was described in my early years, late teen years, early 20s. That's, that's how I was described, and it was pretty accurate. And when God got a hold of me, I was no longer that cork just bobbing in the sea left and right because those years I was digging deep. I was finding the truth, finding him. And then I just began to become more in love with him, more in love with his word. And so that I'm still reaping the fruit of that that was sown, dug 20, 22 years ago. But then again, I've been to Christian schools all my life. That's a kind of digging, kind of, not really. It's just knowing about him. But God used that. All of those times where I was forced to memorize the scriptures for my Bible class in my private school, they're in me. God used that. Even though it wasn't for, you know, my mom just wanted me to go to private school. I told you that before, but it's not like she was a Christian. And she made my, my father, who's not godly, pay for it just so I could go to private school. But it's not like either no more Christian and wanted, you know, the Christian seed sown in me. No, God used that anyway. Wow. How outside of God's will, God was watching me and orchestrating events in my life for my favor, for my good. Amen. Yes. I'm just going to go through some verses real quick as we kind of draw to a close. But we need all of these things because when it, when, when, the word of God spreads. It says that the number of disciples multiplied greatly because they were obedient to the faith. It's this principle of obedience to the faith, to the word, to the gospel. It says that through him we have received grace, we have received apostleship for what reason? Obedience to the faith. It says, God, Paul said, God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin at one time, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was once delivered to you. He says, furthermore, later on in Romans, now to him 
who is able to establish you according to my gospel in Romans 16, verse 25 and 26, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifested by the prophetic scriptures made known to all the nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God. Why was all of that done? For obedience to the faith. He even asked, inquired earlier, and he was quoting Isaiah, uh, but they have not all obeyed the gospel because Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? He says in Romans 15, Paul says, for I will dare not speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to do what? To make the Gentiles obedient. So he says to us, Son in the faith, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4.16, take heed to yourself, take heed to the doctrine, continue in them. What is that another word for? Do them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't just say it and not do it. Say it and do it. Because it's going to save you and those around you. So I want to finish with a parable that I think is very, very connected to everything that I've shared with you today. It's in Matthew 25. It says, The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. They had lamps. Five of them are wise and five of them are foolish. Why? Let's keep reading. Those who were foolish took their lamps. They had a lamp, but they didn't have oil. It's not enough to know about him. You have to know him. Because when the time comes and all you have is a lamp, how is that going to be helpful to you? If you have no oil. What are you going to burn? There's nothing to burn. You have to have something to fuel it, to give you the light, to give you the revelation that you need. But the wise, it says, took oil in their vessels with their lamps. They not only knew about him, they knew him. And the source of their light and revelation was the oil, which we know many times is the anointing. But while the bridegroom was delayed, this is the part that always catches me. Five wise, five foolish. While the bridegroom was delayed in his coming, what did they all do? Is it up there? They slumbered and slept. They all fell asleep. But at midnight, the cry was heard. The bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And all those virgins arose. They got their lamps ready. And the foolish said, whoa, give me some of your oil. I just realized it's not good enough to know about him. I have nothing to fuel this. And the wise answered saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but rather go those to who sell and buy for yourselves. And some may look at that and say, well, they were selfish. I don't think they were selfish. I think you've missed it. 
your faith in the Lord cannot save them. They have to have their own faith in the Lord. They have to dug deep themselves. They had to get the anointing themselves in order to be saved. And so they went and they started looking. They went to buy. The bridegroom came and he went and the door was shut. You see, today is the day of salvation. You got to get ready today. Not tomorrow, not next week. If there's something that's lacking in your life that needs to be shored up, we need to deal with it today. Because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. He may come in the first watch for you. He may come in the second watch for you. And he may come in the third watch for you back yonder. You don't know when he's coming. So you got to get yourself ready now. There's no time to wait. And when those who were looking for that oil came to the Lord, they said, Lord, Lord, open up to us. Like the other said, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast demons in your name? Didn't we do this in your name? And what is he going to say? Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. He says the very same thing to these foolish versions as he says to those that said, well, I did this in your name. I did that in your name. They knew about him, but they didn't know him. So I leave you with this, Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 17. See then that you walk circumspectly, carefully, diligently, not as fools, but as wise. Redeem the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but what? Understand what the will is. Of the Lord is because when you understand what it is you then go do it if you don't understand what the Lord is how can you do it so three things number one dig deep find the time to dig deep and build your life upon the foundation it is a chief cornerstone it is a rock he is Jesus two Commit yourself to the principle of obedience. When you hear God speak, obey. Be ready is number three. Be watchful. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means doing the Lord's will, not like a nine to five job. It means as a lifestyle. A natural, supernatural state of being. It's just a state of being. None of us tries to be a human being. We are. And so we want to be doing the Lord's will at all times so that we are ready. We are sin Does that mean you can't sit back and take a nap? No. Just be doing the Lord's will. Have it in your heart that you, you are ready and willing to obey the Lord whenever he speaks. Amen. Thus is the ministry of our Father's heart through us. Our utmost desire is to be in the Father's heart, to know the Father's heart, and express the Father's heart to you.
If you appreciate listening to this podcast and we're blessed, pass it along to someone else by text, email, or word of mouth in the hopes that they might be positively impacted as you were. If you are interested in supporting our efforts, we would ask you to consider the following. One, pray for us. Two, leave a positive rating or review with whomever you listen to our podcast with. And three, if you desire to contribute monetarily, you can do so at paypal.me slash jbenjesus or cash app dollar sign jbenjesus or Venmo jbenjesus. That's J. B-E-N-J-E-S-U-S. God bless.